Hey guys, what's up? It's Greg. How are you? Here are my interviews this week with David Earle and Chris Hayward. They are the writers and stars of the new movie, Brian and Charles, a really, really interesting movie. And I'll get to that in a second. And also, I have a really cool interview with John Gallagher Jr., an actor, and singer-songwriter, theater actor, just artist who I really admire and I love his work. He currently co-stars in the new movie, Abandoned. Okay, now, so Abandoned and Brian and Charles are the interviews you'll be getting for this here episode. Not episode of Cinematics, but the sort of offshoot of Cinematics. I haven't been doing a lot of my interview segments. Wanted to actually get you guys back on board because I haven't been doing a lot of interviews the last couple of weeks. Okay, so first up is my interview with John Gallagher Jr. If you don't know the name... I'm sure you've seen a bunch of his films. He started in the movie Short Term 12, by the way, which he mentions in the interview. He also starred in Peppermint. I love that movie with Jennifer Garner. And also other credits include Margaret, 10 Cloverfield Lane. A lot of you might know him from the HBO series The, the Newsroom, which was uh, produced and written by Aaron, Aaron Sorkin. If you're a fan of Aaron Sorkin and you're if you're a fan of The Newsroom, I asked him about what does it take to actually master the dialogue and the, the writing of Sorkin, how, what was his key as far as getting it done for the newsroom? That piece of content, that answer from Gal, from um, John Gallagher Jr. is available for our Patreon subscribers, okay? But so for the Patreon subscribers, you'll get that newsroom Sorkin discussion, which is about a couple minutes in length, and it's a really good answer. So that that's exclusive to the Patreon, but the rest of the interview will be here for the purposes of of this podcast and to promote his new film Abandoned. He also talks about a production he did earlier in the year called Swept Away and his again his love for the movie Short Term 12 and the Steven Spielberg film Jaws. Now, Abandoned is out in theaters today, today being what it takes today, today being June 17th and it is digital and on demand June 24th. I have an extensive review of Abandoned with my buddies Bruce Porky and Eric Holmes on the Find Your Film podcast. I'll put a link if you want to actually hear our discussion of the movie, whether we loved Abandoned or not. Okay, speaking of movies that I did love, there's a movie called Brian and Charles, and it centers on this lonely guy, lonely guy who, this lonely heart living in the middle of Wales out out in the country, a little bit deserted, and his name is Brian. Okay, Brian is played by David Earl. David Earl is a co-writer in this movie as well. And the movie is based on a short from 2017, which David Earl co-wrote with his buddy Chris Hayward as well. So anyways, David Earl plays Brian. Brian's a lonely guy in Wales. He's an inventor. He makes different things. Most of them don't work. The movie's shot like an office-style documentary. So if you like that office-style, parks and rec-style shooting, you might appreciate the the dynamics behind Brian and Charles. Now, what happens is with amidst all the failed experiments and whatnot, Brian finally builds something that works. And that thing that works is a robot, a robot named Charles, played by Chris Hayward. Again, David Earl and Chris Hayward are the writers behind this new movie, Brian and Charles, and they actually wrote the previous 2017 short, Brian and Charles, which is called Brian and Charles as well. So this movie, both Brian and Charles and Abandoned are out in theaters as well. For Patreon subscribers, I actually asked them to talk about the ending of the movie, which I thought turned this movie from a sweet and charming movie to something in a 
So maybe I ascribe too much to it, but I let's just say I really enjoyed the ending behind Brian and Charles. It really worked for me on on really resonated with me, especially now that I'm older and I like keeping my loved ones close at home. So yeah, if you want to hear their response, it's a pretty quick response, maybe about like a minute, minute and a half. If you want to hear David Earl talking about why they came up with the ending of Brian and Charles, check out our Patreon become a member. Okay. But other than that, you'll have all the other, the rest of the interview here on, on this here installment. Okay. So again, first up is my abandoned interview with John Gallagher Jr. Hopefully you enjoy that. And then secondly, you'll have my interview with David Earl and Chris Hayward, the writers and the actors behind this really cool movie called Brian and Charles. And yeah, thanks again. Thanks again for whether you're a Patreon subscriber or Cinematics listener, however you devour our, our content. Thanks for supporting me and Anderson and Bruce Parkey and Eric Holmes and this whole Cinematics universe for the last, uh, we've been up and running since 2015. So whether it's you've been there since the, the get-go or from in this iteration right now as we're speaking and I'm on my unmade bed on, in the year 2022, I really, really appreciate all of the support and yeah. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to try to be more organized in the coming weeks and the coming days and to, to, to provide more value as far as the Patreon community goes. $5 a month, especially in, in this economic times is a lot. I've been canceling a couple of my subscriptions regarding streaming. I had too much stuff. I have to pinch the pennies too. So I have an idea on, of how to actually provide a ton of value for you guys, for, for the Patreon community. But then on top of that, I want to provide even more value as far as our cinematics, find your film and all the website stuff, all the entertainment stuff. So that's the most important thing right now for me is to make sure no matter what tier or no matter how you devour our stuff that you're getting something in return a thousandfold. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening and tell me what you think of these interviews. Most importantly, actually with all that stuff aside, would love to hear what you think about Brian and Charles abandoned what do you think of these movies? Do they suck? Do they work for you? Et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Talk to you guys soon. And yeah. Oh, did I, I forgot if I mentioned this in the, in the intro. I, I'm seeing Anderson on Wednesday. We're going to tape our bonus episode for Patreon. Again, like if you haven't listened to the, the previous episode, episode, what, what episode was that? Episode 154, I think. Anderson is picking, we, we have the year 1984. That's the year we're spotlighting this month. Anderson will be watching and reviewing the movie. Um, actually, Anderson's choice for 1984 was the film, is the film 2010. So we'll be reviewing that. My choice is this movie I've been meaning to see since I saw the poster back in 84 and it's Birdie starring Matthew Modine and Nicolas Cage. All right, guys, talk to you soon. Thanks so much again for all that you do and uh, hit us up. Tell us, give us some movie recommendations. Give me some movie recommendations. Even though I see a ton of movies that I'm assigned to every week, I, w- I need to start actually start collecting some movie picks for me, movies for me to watch in posterity. All right, guys, take care. Talk to you soon. What happened to the toy truck, sir? The toy truck? It's up in this room. I just saw it. I was playing with it in front of his crib. Oh. Well, it's not there. I don't know, then. I don't know how things just keep disappearing. Well, I haven't moved them. Well, neither did I. Maybe you forgot.
I'm with him every day. I would know if I moved something and I didn't. Okay, well, I didn't touch him. So who did? Okay. You know, it isn't just Liam's things that have gone missing. Wedding portrait seems to have disappeared as well. John, I'm a huge fan of horror thrillers, but for Abandoned, for you, just as a collaborator, was the fact that this was not your average horror thriller, and it actually dealt with family issues, trauma, and I think most importantly, postpartum depression. I think those were key elements for you to take part in this project. Am I assuming right? A hundred percent. No, you absolutely hit the nail on the head. It was what drew me into the script and what drew me into joining the film was that, you know, it felt like the uh, supernatural elements were secondary uh, to what really was happening, which was a, a, a family in crisis, which, uh, as we all know, is uh, about as high stakes as it gets. You know, it's one of the most human stories that can be told. And, you know, my my favorite horror films tend to be films that are not really about uh, what, what you think they're about. Um, and uh, I thought that that was just so interesting and unique and something I hadn't really seen tackled before. And, um, you know, it was super exciting to be working with a young emerging filmmaker who is making his first feature film. I always love working with new filmmakers that are just arriving on the scene because I think that they're a little hungrier and more eager and there's like a purity to the work uh, that can sometimes get lost in the shuffle when you've been doing it for a really long time. Um, so it was all of those factors combined that uh, made me want to sign up. I mean, you get this all the time, but working with someone like Emma and just for me as an outsider, looking at her body of work, she's so invested and especially in this film, she really knocks it out of the park and that must be great to play off of and see from Absolutely. the big picture. You know, I was so excited when, cause I had come and this rarely happened happens for me like I feel like I'm usually one of the last uh, uh you know last at the table but I had signed up for this film before they had cast um Sarah you know who was to play my wife and 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 you know they they thought long and hard about about who who they wanted to go after and you know they they sent it to Emma thinking ah, this probably won't be her cup of tea I think she's probably going to pass on it and she read it and flipped out for it and she kind of thought that she was ready for a challenge um she had just had a baby as well so I think that the story spoke to her on a deep and personal level and I think it scared her a little bit as it did scare all of us a little bit to make this film but the fact that she threw herself into it as kind of wholeheartedly as she did was really impressive to watch because like you said she's got an incredible body work she's been doing this forever um you know and i was super intimidated to meet her but you know we had a great time on set together and she really threw down i mean she really gave this one her all i was really impressed with her work ethic I think you threw down as well because I'm not, A, I'm not an animal vet and B, I would last 20 seconds in a farmhouse. I wouldn't know. I can't, I can't even butter toast. So yeah, for same. you, what was it like for you doing the prep work? Because maybe it's movie magic, but seeing you on those singular spaces working, not with Emma, but with something else, other elements. <laughs> Was right. it amazing. Yeah. What was that? Oh, like? good. Well, that, that I got to tell you, that's a, a whew, I'm relieved to hear that because that's that stuff doesn't come naturally to me either. I mean, I, lo I love animals, but I didn't grow up uh, with pets or anything. And so I was 
I felt like a fish out of water. Um, I think a real kind of uh, credit goes to our art department, um, our production design and our set work and the set design and really just the location. I mean, we filmed in one space, you know, they found this farmhouse in uh, at, right outside of Raleigh, North Carolina, that they were able to rent for the whole month. And we filmed all the exteriors and the interiors of the house inside one house, which really was magical because you really get to settle down. And we got to know every room, every corner of the house, you know, really did kind of feel like we were living there. Um, and the stuff with the animals, we just had, you know, we, we worked with a couple of local farms uh, that were so amazing that, you know, let us into their spaces and let us work with their their animals and their families. And then working with our young, my young uh, co-star who was a baby, you know, was was intense and challenging in its own way. But to hear that we pulled it off is, uh, that's a relief to me. Danny, you get this a lot, but I guess what has this, I guess earlier this year been like for you or maybe the, maybe the last couple of years? Because with Swept Away, you can, that's the moniker of the production, but I'm assuming A, you've been a lifelong uh, fan enthusiast of the Avid Brothers. And then- Absolutely. Maybe even more profound, the idea that you have a lifelong collaboration with my, uh, Michael Mayer and just, just having what is it an overwhelming experience when you, when you have that, those Absolutely. two elements? Yeah. A hundred percent. In 2017, I was approached by two producers, Sean Huddock and Matthew Mastin, that, that took me out for a drink. And they said, Hey, we've, uh, we've pitched this musical idea to, to base a musical on the songs of the Avid brothers. And we've got John Logan, who's, you know, one of the great screenwriters and playwrights of our time. He's on board to write the script and Michael Mayer wants to direct it. And I did Spring Awakening and American Idiot with Michael on Broadway. And they just flat out asked me to, to play the lead of this new musical, which turned into swept away at the time, there was no book or script or anything. Uh, I said, yes, on this, on the spot, because I just thought, wait a minute, if you're telling me it's John Logan and it's Michael Mayer and it's the songs of the Avid brothers, then I'm in, I, I don't care what the script is. And then of course, a year later I got the script and it was incredible. I mean, I think it's a masterwork. John Logan has outdone himself and Michael outdid himself. And I hadn't been on stage in six years. And of course, during the pandemic, the last couple of years, there were dark days where it didn't seem like theater was ever going to come back. So the fact that we got to premiere the show at Berkeley Rep just a few months ago was exactly, as you said, overwhelming in all of the best ways. Yeah, I, I think you might have recently, or maybe I'm wrong, I'm looking at your IMDb, you worked with Mary Louise Parker. But years ago, I interviewed her and she said the great thing about a life in the theater is the fact that when you do your performance... You're, it's actually a partnership with the audience and you have that shared emotion and feeling that they can never take away from you when it's over. Is that one of the primary motivations for you to continue your life in the theater? Absolutely. A hundred percent. No, she's, a, she's totally right about that. It's a, it's a kind of profound, magical shared thing. Um, and you have to be there for it to work. You have to show up as an actor with, all of whatever your day was, you have to go out on stage at eight o'clock and tell the story and everybody has to show up and bring whatever they're bringing to the table. They have to bring their energy from the day. No two nights are ever going to be exactly the same. And uh, that's what I love about it. It's just, you know, you get to, you get to play, you get to really play. You get to, you know, find a character inhabit it. And whereas on films, you'll get a couple of takes but in theater, you get kind of like night after night to play with it and experience it. And then most importantly, share it, you know, because it is a shared thing. And then you all go your separate ways. 
and it's gone. It wasn't captured. It wasn't filmed. It wasn't recorded. It happens. It, it, and then it's gone. You know, it, it's, it, it's, 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 uh, uh, it's profound. You know, it really is. It's amazing. John, final couple of questions. And these are movie related. First off, this is the impossible, annoying question, but right off the top of your head, can you name one of your all time favorite movies? And what is it about this specific film that still resonates with you today? Oh yeah. I, you know, it's, I guess the thing that just popped into my head was Jaws, uh, just because I, I, I adore it. I love it. I watch it every summer. Uh, and, uh, I, I just think it's one of those perfect films. Uh, it just, it hasn't lost any of its, um, punch like over the years. It's, it's still exciting and funny and amazingly paced, perfectly shot, amazingly acted the, the inventive, uh, nature of how, how, how that movie came to be is just always, you know, loomed so large and mythic in my mind. And then to, to think like, well, that was a young man, you know, that was a, you know, Spielberg in his mid to late twenties kind of taking a big swing and risking it all to make this big movie that, you know, changed the course of cinema history. And then look what he went on to do. There's just so much about it that I, that I love. I love that movie. I think it's just magic. It's a total magic trick. And final question is just from your own film resume. Can you, we do a, a podcast segment called what's in the box and we have actors and filmmakers choose a film from their from their body of work for us to actually review you know and uh, my buddy eric was saying oh of course 10 cloverfield lane he'll choose that and i was thinking oh i loved it in, in, in peppermint and then i thought well margaret is one of the all-time seminal experiences in my life just wanting for you personally as the expert of your own domain what's the film that you would you want us to uh, review oh, you know what i mean the thing that pops into my head is probably short term 12 which was the film i did with brie larson and uh and uh, directed by destin cretton and written by destin cretton it was his second Second feature film. Uh, I'm so proud of that movie. Uh, when I think about my, you know, it's a weird thing to think about your own body of work because I, I often tend to be like, well, I, it's almost like a, not for me to judge. It's for everyone. I, you do these things and then you give them away and you give them to the world and then the world gets to kind of own them and appreciate them and, and judge them on their merits. But that's one that is very special to me. I had a great time making that movie. Uh, and it's, it's probably, uh, when it comes to my work on camera, it's probably the most proud i am of anything i've done and then on a superficial level how many times a day or maybe a week do you get that oh my gosh this is like the modern day short short term 12 is like the modern day american graffiti where everyone just sort of went on to do so many things or like diner do you get that all oh, the time man. it's true it's it's kind of incredible i mean i think we're all just like counting down to see who's going to get nominated for an oscar next you know brie has one rami malik has one keith stanfield's been nominated now caitlin deaver i think just was nominated for a sag or a golden globe um stephanie beatriz has gone on to do all this amazing stuff uh, both on 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 camera and on tv and on theater you know i, mean, I think it's just kind of uh, I, something happened. I don't know. Destin just cast these actors that were all kind of on, on their way uh, in, in a sense. I, I feel incredibly privileged to be part of that company. John, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. And, and thanks for waiting. Sorry. I was a bit late to, the, to the party here. <laughs> all right. Take care. You too. I never thought I'd make anything as amazing as Charles. Uh, it's absolutely blown my mind. To be honest with you. you built my body. <laughs> I built his body. I built his body. It took 72 hours. And my tummy is a washing machine. And his tummy is a washing machine. That's it. His tummy is a washing machine. It took me 72 hours. My name is Charles Petrescu. Charles Petrescu. That's your name, isn't it? That's your name. I thought 24 hours ago I was going to have to crush you up and scrap you. Did you know that?
My name is Charles Petrescu. Yeah, already said that. Yeah. And you built my and body. I built your body. <laughs> That's it. Guys, what's up? You know, I've been reading really good reviews from Brian and Charles, some, and I hear this. It's very sweet and it's very charming and everything. But I haven't seen the short yet. It's nice to hear those words, but I feel like this movie is really also gutsy in the in the uh, way it approaches loneliness and the need to find connection. Can you guys talk about that? When the genesis of the project was it? You you wanted to make a really good story, but there was an underlying tone of just reality behind it as well. Can you speak to that? Yeah, well, the short film was uh, a little bit bleaker, maybe. And uh, Brian talked a bit more about his... He had he essentially had like a, a breakdown. I think that's what he's referring to. And, and so we wanted to make the feature a little bit more lighthearted, but obviously hints at his loneliness. And that's why he subconsciously builds Charles for a companionship. Uh, yeah, the, <clears throat> the short is a little bit different in tone in, in that sense. Yeah. By the way, very cool They Live shirt. But just regarding your writing collaboration with each other, just how did that start and what? how do you complement each other, I guess, from the short and now the feature? Well, we, um, we used to perform as a live comedy show uh, almost 10 years ago, where a Brian and Charles like, live show, believe it or not, at the comedy clubs in, in, the, in uh, around London and the South. So um, we... And we lived near each other at the time as well. So we just kind of hang out and talk about different comedy ideas, I suppose. And um, I guess we got on, didn't we, David? Well, so, yeah. And uh, just made a <laughs> laugh and stuff. Yeah, we uh, did. That's a lovely time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we just started coming up with different ideas for just things. And uh, Brian and Charles was really because we'd, we'd performed the stage show a lot and it was getting to a point where... We thought this is coming to an end, <laughs> really. So we made the short film in order to just put something online showing them because we we love them so much. And we thought, well, let's just make this short and then put it online and then, I guess, do something else. So we were just surprised when it went on to a feature. Yeah. David, what's the key to just portraying Brian? Because there are so many layers to his interior world and there's so many ways to go about it. Or is it don't overthink it and just play the role? How did you approach it? I definitely don't overthink it. I mean, yeah, I'm, but I always, I sort of always want to show that sadness behind his eyes. I don't know. I don't know why I'm sort of drawn to that kind of character. And so, yeah, but I'm not overthinking things. I'm not method or I just put, I put the glasses on and I'm away. And, uh, but, uh, there he is. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> and, uh, um, but yeah, I, I just like that, that kind of lonely character. Um, and want to just show it uh, behind the lines all the time, yeah. There's something as well in, um, there's a lot of documentaries that we love about uh, sort of loners trying to achieve their dream. There's something just so yeah, uh, fascinating about that. Yeah. And you really, you, really, um, you really want them to succeed. You want them to achieve this dream no matter what it is. Um, so, yeah, that was something we were drawn to. And to be fair, I mean, it's basically me. I mean, <laughs> really. Yeah. It's yeah, personal, really? Wow. Well, yeah, I would definitely feed off that. It's just doing the stand-up and just trying to make things work and and uh, making the films and making other TV. It's like most things you make don't quite work. So uh, I think everyone's trying to make things and create things, and, uh, you know, 90% of the time they fail. So, yeah. Yeah, Chris... 
as much as I love this film, I, I was really wondering re- regarding your character, just staying in that what contraption I was thinking, are, are you okay? Are you taking a break? Do you have the strongest back? In the history of mankind, how did oh, you? <laughs> how did you do well, it? I needed you on set. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What was the key to just, I guess, soldiering through the whole thing? Because it just, I could feel it, you know. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a very good back, so it, it didn't. There were times. I think I took a yoga mat with me to our where we stayed, and most evenings I'd have to sort of stretch because. But I had a physio come round, didn't I? Oh, you did, on yeah. my back. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, didn't get anything. Yeah, because um, it's also you have to kind of. I didn't realize that when we started shooting, but in order for Charles to be really upright, I have to lean back quite a bit so that his the box is vertical. Um, but yeah, it's it's not particularly comfortable in there, but uh, you know that it's going to look funny. It was actually when I was doing when I was performing or like acting with David, it was. It was okay. It was between takes where I'd get bored just being in a cardboard box. Yeah. And going back to the overthinking thing, one of the things that really resonated with me regarding Brandon Charles is the idea of whether it's a robot or another human being and it's someone you love. A part of me, I could relate to Brian as well. The fact that you just want the people you love to stay with you and never leave Wales or here in Los Angeles. I just want everyone to stay home. Yeah. <laughs> can personally, can you guys kind of relate to that? I mean, it, because it's just, you just want them close to you and not go out into the savage world out there. Well, I'm like that now, you know, coming out to LA, I love being in LA, but I'm really missing my wife on the sofa. So, <laughs> so, you know, whenever I leave, we're, we're always sort of in tears, giving each other hugs and, saying goodbye to the kids, like, oh, God, I've got to go out to this scary planet. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's much safer at home, isn't it? It's a nice feeling. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, fear is confirmed. L.A. is a horrible place. I live here, so FYI, oh, don't, don't leave the room. Just don't leave the room. <laughs> don't leave. And so, uh, <laughs> well, you're all right. You're all right, aren't you? I'm okay right right now, just for these 10 minutes. Chris, how, Chris, did that speak to you as well as far as just keeping your loved ones with you? And, and I don't want to give away the ending regarding this question, but is that something you resonate with as well? Yeah, I think um, I think you can sort of swap Charles out for a friend or a loved one or even a pet. I think depending how you're feeling, I think that's what people are doing. They're kind of seeing Charles as something that means something to them. I can, I can sometimes think about pets that I've had in the past and, like d- dogs and sort of just missing missing them and <laughs> that sort of thing. I have, and like having to ta- having the responsibility. I mean, I don't have children, but even like even something like a pet, you just want them to live forever and and like you know hang out with you. We're thinking about getting a dog, and one of the reasons of not getting a dog is because you got to say goodbye to the dog. Final question to you guys is. Uh, uh, for my movie podcast, I ask actors and filmmakers to, and this is an uh, apologies for this question, but can you uh, name one of your all-time favorite films, and what is it? What is it about the specific film that still um, speaks to you today? Uh, Rocky, I think. Yeah. Oh, just because of the sport of it all, or just the- yeah, just that underdog who just it just um, tries to get to the top, doesn't quite make it, but it's the trying that, that matters. Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And for you, Chris, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, because I just love, I just. I think maybe because I loved it as a kid, maybe it's that, but I just think the pace of it is so brilliant and the set the set pieces are all individual and amazing. Yeah, I just, I love it. Thank you guys so much for your time and uh, really love your film. Thank you very much. And again, please, David, stay in your room. Okay, thank you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Cheers.